All right, guys, we're talking about heart rate today. Todd, obviously your heart rate is up because you're looking at Fern and myself, so it gets you very excited. <laughs> yeah, super high right now, all the way up to like 37 beats a minute. That's super high? Are you, you mean your heart rate or your... <laughs> <laughs> is that a bong next to you at drive? And that's definitely not the way I do it. I know that's how you do it in Colorado. That's not the way I do it here. <laughs> you do, you do the, um, the, the anal hits? So <laughs> All right. That's where we're headed, huh? We're, we're, go we're going there. My wife is trying to distract me. What's up? Okay, good. Get out of here. I'm talking to Todd and Fern. So anyway. Way more what's important. What's that, Fern? Way, so way, way more important. Way more important. So let's let's talk about heart rate. The question we were asked was, you know, basically, can we talk about this? But specifically to how it relates to to CrossFit, fitness, etc. Todd, you were talking a little bit prior to this just about your opinions, but let's dive into that. You know, with with all the talk we've had about Peloton, with some of these other boutique type gyms, they use heart rate a lot when it comes to you know, tracking their fitness to tracking their performance. What are your thoughts about using it in the CrossFit world? I, I think if you're able to do it, it's, it's cool in the sense that uh, it provides additional data, something that you can, you can track on a daily basis and, you know, look at the way it varies per workout. Um, I don't know, you know, I don't know if the, the, the return or the value, it would be worth the investment of trying to do it and figure out a way to, to track it with all your members in the gym and then consolidate that, that um, data and then try to, to, to get it back out to them. But I, I keep track. I've got a Fitbit that I'm interested to see my heart rate on a daily basis and, and do different things. And I think it's provides some interesting data for me personally, but I don't know that I've done a ton with it and I don't know what I would, I would necessarily do with my clients um, if we were tracking that outside of what we do with benchmarks and things like that. So you use a Fitbit, you have it on during all of your workouts? Yeah, I have it on most, most all of the time. And I think it's been, been interesting to see for me personally is normally I've kind of got like a low heart rate. Um, and I think the thing that's most interesting is like, I can be in the middle of like an open workout or something like that where I feel like I'm going to die and I feel like my heart's going to explode and my heart rate never gets up over like 101 or maybe 105 at the most. Whereas I can go for a 400 meter warm up run at a generous pace, pace and it shoots up over 160. It seems for me personally like uh, running is the only thing that really spikes my heart rate up really high. Um, so that's been an interesting thing for me to take a look at. But outside of that while we're here let's let's take a small tangent todd let's go for look it look at me this is who am i doing well there we go let's see what you got <laughs> todd is notorious for rubbing his hands together and then when he gets excited like a little kid um and not because you, he's putting on hand sanitizer <laughs> your, your 5k story that you give during the what is fitness lecture oh the first time i ran a 5k yeah yeah, I got talked into running a 5K. This was before my, my CrossFit days. And I think it was a Friday night having beers. And some of my friends were running a 5K the next morning, Saturday morning. And it was, it was like August or September here in Florida. And I was like, yeah, I can probably do that. Um, 
And I had one friend that ran quite a bit. He was the one that talked me into it. I had another friend that was like borderline elite 5k runner, like 15, 16 minute mark. Um, and this was a, a race here in town. And so, uh, I go, I drive to my buddy's house that lives about a mile from the, the race start. And he's like, why don't you park here? And then we'll jog over to the race start as our warm up. which number one, I never ran any distance. I played like pickup basketball or flag football for any of my running. D1 um, basketball, did you say? No, not D1 basketball. No, there's only one. Uh, I was on the, podcast. I was, yeah, I was the only one that played D1. It was, there it was my go. own, it was my own personal league. Well, so I'm just a, literally. A tangent on a tangent. Fern, what was that video you posted the other day with the basketball? Oh, there's a uh, – so I stole that from Bill Henniger. So Bill had posted a video of Katie doing a drill. So for anybody that doesn't know, she played at Ohio State. She's like a really, really good basketball player. She's better than and, you? Can you? Can she beat you one-on-one? Uh, I mean, I don't know. But I'm, I, I, I do know she was pretty good in college. And Ohio State's not like a, you know, second-rate basketball team. You know what I mean? Like she was better like had Navy. a pretty good – Yeah, had, not second-rate like Navy. <laughs> Yeah, I mean Navy's like Navy's like mid mid major. They're they're not like bottom, but they're not like you know nobody's banking on them to go to the and, tournament. And for those also um, unaware, Katie Henniger is a the 2008 CrossFit Games champion. Correct. Uh, so he posted a video, and I was just looking. I was like, "Oh, that's kind of cool." Uh, it's called it's an app called Home Court. Yeah, Home Court, and uh, it's got a bunch of these little like drills on there, and. So I was just like, oh, that's cool. But oddly enough, like the same day, Jess had uh, called me and she was like, hey, I'm, my parents just bought us a basketball goal to put in the driveway. I'm going to get it and I'm going to get you a basketball. And I was like, yep, get it. So I downloaded it and then like did it and I'm playing with it. And I was like, this is, this is kind of fun. This is like kind of like being playing basketball again, just like, you know, messing around doing drills. Gotcha. All right. I'm going to beat you at that app and i download it and beat you i honestly don't have a basketball and probably haven't i would listen i am waiting for this video yes just to watch (laughs) please do dribble that thing and then take a shot that would be amazing okay you know what was you know was i got a little offended so my dad watched it and he was like hey how long did you practice before you did that drill and i was like i didn't fucking practice at all dude i did a workout and then grabbed a basketball he was like oh it's pretty good and i was like what the fuck dude i was like was offended <laughs> it, how is it is dribbling a basketball a skill is it that hard oh uh, listen no, get a basketball easy, yeah, yeah it's super, super easy yeah you could pick easy. it up real quick i can dribble a basketball. the easiest part is is with your the easiest I mean, part is so with your non-dominant hand <laughs> yeah you're so close to the ground jay it shouldn't be that bad yeah, it's it's, as, like, it's as easy as hitting a baseball yeah no hitting a baseball <laughs> is much harder than dribbling listen I mean, when you say dribble, I'm not referring to like, can you throw the ball at the ground and it hits the ground? That's not dribbling. We can all do that. My six-year-old can do that. I'm talking about dribbling with some degree of competency. Can you go between your legs? <laughs> Isn't it, how great is it? Like, Jay, the, the one thing that, that impressed him about Michael Jordan was that he could palm a ball. And yeah. now he's asking, he's like, can you go between your legs? Because that's amazing. I've never seen anybody yeah, yeah. do that. Yeah, it's uh no, I'm still working on it. I'm still working on it. You'll yeah, get it one that's, day. That's right. that's a real that's he, a real top tier skill. He would have <laughs> he would have played at Duke had he been able to go between his legs for sure. <laughs> All right, Todd, go back to your five K story. <laughs> uh, um uh anyways, we ran like a mile to get to the starting gate. 
and so I was pretty smoked getting there. But that being said, it's my first time at a race. There's a bunch of people. I'm super amped up, a lot of adrenaline going. Like in my mind, I'm like, all right, I know the like the my buddy that's fairly elite. His name was Todd as well as like I know I can't beat him, but I just want to keep him in my sights because I had no reference point for what this run was like. The gun goes off. We take off running. We're running at a pretty good pace. I'm running next to my other buddy that had talked me into um, into running the race. We go for what feels like a really long ways for me. The the Todd guy like lost us almost immediately. I couldn't see him anymore. So that goal was shot. But but um. We're still running. I look at my buddy that's next to me and I'm like, Hey, are we about halfway done? And he kind of looks at me like I'm an idiot. And then I look up and I see, um, in the distance, the first mile marker, we're about 400 meters away from it. So we run past that first mile marker at like the 620 clip or something like that. Um, and I quickly do the math in my head on how much farther we have to go. And I realize I'm in trouble. And my buddy Two, that I thought I was going to be able to one run next from to three. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, shit. So I was finally like, you know what, buddy? You can go on ahead. I don't think I'm going to be able to keep up. And I think I finished the race in like 25 minutes. So after a six-minute first mile, you can only imagine what, what the and rest still, of the race looked like. Still not that bad, honestly. Like an no, 8.15 pace, roughly. I mean, like. Right. But when your first one's right now. six and your second one's eight and your third mile's 10 minutes and like some seven-year-old kid goes sprinting past me in the last straightaway and then I <laughs> pass the finish line and collapse and feel like I'm gonna die that was, that was pretty rough that was similar to my the, the one and only time I ran a marathon you ran a marathon I ran a marathon in 2000 and when was that it's been a while but I ran one pre or post CrossFit post that was actually so. That was the reason I ran it. I ran it as part of a fundraiser for the Travis Mannion Foundation, um, and Mannion's a hero workout buddy of mine. The uh, so it was in D, so it's the Marine Corps Marathon. So it's part of the team or whatever. And I didn't train at all, like zero training. I was just like, I'm just curious. Can my fitness carry me 26.2 miles? Like, can I cover that distance without training for it? Um, so the answer is yes. Not in any sort of timely manner. Uh, I too misjudged the marathon i ran the first i ran the first half of the marathon in like an hour and 42 and then i and my total time for the marathon was five hours and 11 minutes <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty bad it was it was it was it was a very it. it was a very interesting uh, experience for me because it's the one and only time ever that my body has completely shut down where I was trying to will myself to run and my body physically would not run. It was just like, Nope, there will be no more running had for you. Meanwhile, there's like 90 year old women running past me. There was a guy, this is not a joke. There is a guy that ran past me juggling eggs. Oh yeah. There's, oh. Like, there's, there's like marathon jugglers. That's their sport. That's all he did. And I was, I was walking next to my buddy who's a team guy and uh and he was like man he was like he's like do you feel embarrassed right now i was like dude i was like you're the navy seal i was like i got nothing to be embarrassed about i was like you're walking with me and we just got passed by a guy juggling eggs <laughs> jay, that, that must be what jay feels like doing an open workout next to one of us <laughs> <laughs> i'd smack those eggs right out of your hand <laughs> <laughs> if you could take your hands off your knees and catch your breath <laughs> how how far into it were you when you had to start walking 
It was like right at the roughly like the 15, 16 mile mark. So just past halfway. So when, and, typically uh, when they just, say you hit the wall. Yeah, yeah, blew up. Like I didn't know what to do. Um, How sore nuts. were you? Oh, I didn't walk for days. Yeah, my joints, my joints were not ready for that kind of uh, beating. It was crazy though. It was like, it wasn't like, I wasn't cramping. Like I wasn't tired. It, it was a, it was a very, very strange scenario for me. So strange that they're like at the end of the race, you do, you go under this overpass and there's like this on ramp to make it in. So it's like, a, you know, it's like a slight incline. It's nothing crazy. And I, no kidding, had this thought. I might not make it up that ramp walking. Like that's what I was thinking to myself. And uh, it was crazy. It was, it was one of the weirdest like physical scenarios I've ever had. It, it's funny because I talked to Austin after he did his marathon. I was like, how sore were you? He's like, eh, I worked out the next day. Like that's just, it shows, hey, fitness does carry you through just about anything. I've, I've always been of the opinion and still am that I think pretty much anybody can cover on no training can cover um, a half marathon. I think if you're going to run a marathon, if you're going to stretch out past 15, 16 miles, like you need to do some training and get your joints ready. I don't, you don't need to get crazy with it, but you need to do something to get your body ready for the pounding. And, and that quarter range of motion for that duration can be pretty brutal. Todd, would you ever run a marathon? Oh man, I don't know. I don't have much of... desire to do it right now. I thought at one point I would. Um, but I don't have much desire to do it. I don't know. That's how I feel. Like I want to do it just to have that accomplishment, but also like Fern did over the years as a box owner, I'm sure you guys, just like I did, had so many people that trained for it. And it would frustrate you because they would go to typical marathon training where meanwhile, you're like, no, if you listen to me, do CrossFit, get some miles in, you could do better and not hurt yourself. But I, and I always thought to myself, I should do it to show people, but I, Never. I trained. I trained quite a few people to do that, and and full Ironmans, doing uh, minimal to... minimal volume, and they and they all did really really well. Yeah, the people that listened to me, I had a I had a woman who had run quite a few marathons, and then she listened to me, and she PR'd her Disney. It was at the Disney Marathon, like it was crazy, and she was felt great, had the best performance she's ever had. Like it works. I always point people to that article about Greg Amundsen where he ran you know, 88 out of a hundred miles, but all he did was train CrossFit. How were, what did Todd's story have to do with heart rate? I'm lost now, as are the listeners. Just running, running's the thing that blows me up, I guess. He oh, was just emphasizing how bad I am at any sort of Underst distance running. Well, Understood. but you also, you talk about that a lot in your What Is Fitness lecture about how you thought you were fit. And then yeah, you realize, you know, like you kind of say, like little kids are passing you, but I think, you know, if we're bringing it back to heart rate, there's, I agree with you, right? When you look at heart rate, it certainly depends on the modality that you're in. And I'm like you with running, my heart rate jacks up. And I think it's probably because we're very inefficient runners. Yeah. Or your body's telling like, I think your body's telling you something there. Either you're not good at this, or maybe this isn't something that you should be doing at this clip. Like I think about it, like you know, there's members in my gym that when they go to do pull-ups, they tell me how, how high they feel like their heart rate is getting. And it's like, all right, well, if you're overweight, your body, and you're doing, you know, sets of pull-ups, your pull-ups, your body's probably telling you, bro, you probably don't need to be trying to bang out a set of 20 if you're 
you know, 50 pounds overweight because your body's probably not prepped and ready to, to handle that. So I think it could be used to just, just be more aware of what your body's trying to tell you and maybe some things to be cautious with. Now, I also think it works that when it spikes too high, you're not able to keep going and do some of the things that maybe you shouldn't be doing anyways. There's an interesting piece to that, which I think people leave out, which is the breathing aspect of it, right? So yes, it could be that your heart rate just jacks up, but I think a lot of people are, are very inefficient with regard to breathing. It's, it's no different than swimming, right? So if you've not spent any time in the water, most people um, who have never done any sort of significant amount of swimming, they put their face in the water and then they hold their breath. And then when they turn to take their face out of water, now I have to do two things. I have to exhale and, and inhale. Well, that's what brings my heart rate up when they're swimming and why they're so tired is because I'm holding my breath, doing work, and then trying to do this. So what I've now done is I put myself in a state of hypoxia. And another uh, two other places where I see CrossFitters do this on a very regular basis where you can spike your heart rate incredibly quickly is the rope climb and, a, and like a decent set of thrusters. And if you watch them do it, they're holding their breath for the majority of those two movements, right? So they get 15 reps into the thruster and they haven't taken a breath. So it's not weird that their heart rate spiked. And then a lot of people see it all the time. They hold their breath when climbing the rope. And I think that one is actually out of fear of falling. So I think that's a fear mechanism is they just hold their breath. Um, and I think it's the same thing for running because it's very similar in swimming. It's just like, um, it's just learning how to breathe while going through some sort of exertion and it's like it's a skill like everything else um yeah. and buddy lee talks about that i still can't do it but I, I think i think what they recommend or the good pacing is one breath per four double unders i think think about how many think about how many people get out of breath when they're doing double unders so everything you're saying is to me why i think you can use heart rate you know obviously there's going to be the challenges of implementing it in your box i've seen some boxes do it where they have Every member gets a heart rate strap. They have the computer monitors up there. They're using like heart zone, some apps out there. But isn't this a good reason to use it so you can find out what movements you are more or less efficient at? Like Todd, you know your heart rate spikes during running. If you were truly trying to improve your fitness, wouldn't you figure out how to run at a, at a pace or with form that doesn't spike your heart rate? Absolutely. And I think, I mean, and I think the reality of it is, is I understand that when I run that I'm not very good at it and I need to practice it more and do it more to get better at that. And I think, you know, it's our job as a coach. It's, it, it's not hard to see the people that are struggling doing something. I don't need a heart rate monitor to tell me that Justin or the, the Jay looks busted on these 21 front squats when he's going like zombie man squatting on rep number seven, like, I can look at you as an athlete and realize you're in a tough spot and that we need, I need to, to figure on that specific skill. Like I need to that, figure out the number of references that Todd has made to the 21 front squats. <laughs> That's a good sign when he only has one workout to reference. That means all my other workouts were good. But uh, you, well, what else do you want to talk about? We can talk about lots of other workouts. Well, but, you want to talk about but nasty be, girls? <laughs> I, told, I told my friend the story of nasty girls the other day. It, it would be interesting though, take a workout like Fran, three, two, one, go, to watch where your heart rate does spike and, and to try to figure out, you know, hey, you do stay pretty relaxed on thrusters, it turns out on pull-ups, so maybe we break a little early, you know, you, I think there's a lot to be gained from it. The challenge would be 
like you said, I think you mentioned it before we even hit record. Of course, any metric we can we can look at is important. There's it's going to be valuable. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anything that you can measure is going to provide more data. More data is going to allow you to, to, to implement different things. But, you know, I think it'd be great if that's, an, uh, if, if that's an option for you, but I don't think it's a necessity. I would say that. I mean, I think I can watch somebody move. I can watch somebody do a workout. You can see where somebody starts to blow up a little bit um, and realize that there's something wrong there. Um, so let's figure talk out a, about... Well, let's talk about other ways that we can use it. So say you at Drive or at Rife now, you're going to you know, get a monitor, have heart rates them. up there. Oh, you have it. Yeah, so we use uh, MyZone for Waterfy. Oh, okay. Well, there we go. We didn't even know Fern was doing this. So what are some other things you can be looking at? So in other words, you know, this is kind of outdated, but back in the day, it would be like, hey, you're in your fat burning zone. You're in this zone. Mm -hmm. Are you looking at things like that? Are you using it in a way to say, hey, Susie, you know, you've been coming in a lot. You can work out today, but your heart rate can't go above X. How, how are so you using it? We've, we try to use it a lot of different ways. And I th so I do want to zoom out a little bit. I do, having tried to play around with it, I do think it's really only from a, from a global standpoint, meaning effective in your gym, if you can systematically in integrate it into how you train right so meaning that like i'm trying to get most people on them i'm trying to get most people paying attention to it to some degree it should not be the focal point like I think we could all agree that it's only useful in the presence of other information outside of that i don't I don't give a shit um the so we've used it a couple different ways we'll use it on some of these long monostructural days if i'm going to do uh, bike intervals or i'm going to do a 10k on the row or or stuff like that just to try to keep people and teach people pacing. So this is where I think it can be useful. You know, if we think about what's one of the number one pitfalls of CrossFit and it's this desire or this kind of double-edged sword of it kind of inadvertently pushes people into competing all of the time rather than training, you know, so like for instance, uh, like Todd played baseball. So like you don't just step up and, and like start swinging you know, as somebody's like throwing baseballs, right? Like you're going to do a lot of practice, right? You're going to hit off the tee. You're going to hit into the cage. Like you're going to do a lot of things that fall in that bucket of training first. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to step up to the plate and we're going to go live batting practice. Like, like the pitcher and I are both going to work on our skill set. There's a lot of things that happen before that. This is where I think you can use heart rate to teach people the value of training, right? Because like it is a double-edged sword, right? Like people are crazy and you slap a heart rate monitor on some people and the first thing they want to do is like, I want to get it into the red. And I'm like, that's not going to work out very well for you. So now I can use this additional metric to show them that that's not beneficial to show them that like, Hey, there's value in training. Like what if you could just stay in yellow for the full 25 minutes and get done faster, get more work done versus going into red, having to take a 30 second break and then repeating that kind of ridiculous effort over and over and over so that's kind of what, how we use it. It's more of an educational piece. It's like teach people to train versus taking it full-blown, go ham sandwich all the time. Yeah, I think that would be the, the valuable tool right there, you know, in addition to learning what movements help, but then also getting people to understand how to slow their heart rate down and see if, you know, you're in a 20-minute AMRAP and, hey, you're creeping up. We need to 
slow it down a little bit, you know, bring it in a little so you can finish this, you know, with a good score. The other, the other areas where it can be useful is workouts that involve that are interval based. I got a three minutes of work, two minute rest, five rounds, something like that. And teaching people the value of breathing, trying to bring their heart rate down in order to try to repeat that effort because now they can physically see what is the rate of recovery that, that I'm trying to repeat over the course of this five rounds. Um, and it gets them to concentrate on breathing, maybe sit down, maybe lay down something like that. So there is, there is value. Um, you know, Orange Theory has kind of made their money on, like, it's all about heart rate. It's how you get splat points. It's a, they've kind of gamified it very much like Peloton. Um, you know, I don't know that that's what people should be chasing. I, th I think it should be a little bit more targeted and used a little bit more accurately. Um, but it can be done. Like I said, I just think it, I think it does and should require a little bit more thought about how you're going to integrate it. I think, I think, I think the night, yeah, the nice part of it, as you mentioned, like with uh, Orange Theory is the fact that that's, that's data that they can look at every single day. And I think if you, if you compare it to what we do in the, the CrossFit gym is we provide benchmarks, but the reality of it is, is how often are we doing that? I think that's one difference, right? Is at Orange Theory, they're looking at their heart rates from every single class that they go to. Essentially, they've got a benchmark to look at every single day. And if we're not doing a good job as coaches or as people programming workouts of programming those benchmarks often enough, you know, weekly or a couple times a week to where people can see their improvements, yeah, it's, it's great what they're doing with their workouts. But if they're not really seeing how they progress with hard data in front of them, um, I think we're doing a disservice with that. I have a question on that too. And I, I don't know where you're going, but I, I, wanna, I don't want to forget this. Do you guys, and this is for both of you guys, because I know you're, you have been around long enough. Do you think, or did you do benchmarks more frequently back in the day than you do now? Short answer, yes. I did. Okay. I would say short answer. And again, depending on your um, definition of benchmarks, I think people fail to realize often heavy days are benchmarks as well, right? You know, it's, yeah. you know you're one rep, you're three rep, whatever. But I would say, yeah, we were doing them more often. And I think for the reason Todd was saying, because we did want to show people. And what I was going to say is, I think that, you know, we talked about in the Peloton episode, that's what I like about Peloton, is that I'm constantly, every single day is an opportunity to PR. And I was having this conversation with Roz last night, because she, she's like, how are you PRing every day? And I'm, I, so... I don't want to make this all about Peloton again, but one of the big, one of the things they have in there are different time domains. So they have a five, a 10, 15, 30, 45, 60, 90, something like that. And I was trying to explain to her, it's kind of like Louis Simmons model where you're, you're Todd, you're shaking your head because you understand where I'm going. Yeah. You do something different every day. So it's a PR. You don't yeah, ever do that's... the same, same lift twice and it's a PR. Yeah. I was trying to explain that to her and she was not quite getting it, but like Louis Simmons is like, Hey, we're trying to get good at squat press dead or whatever, but we're going to PR our back, our box squat, our back squat, our front squat, our chain, you know, pausing banded. squat, chains, yeah. right. And that's what he did so well. It's like, A, it's a mental break because you're not always doing the same movement, but B, you also feel like you're making progress. And I vary the times that I take classes so I can hit a PR in my 30 minute versus 45. And 
you're also getting better at this sport, you know, in this case of Peloton, because you're training a little differently, like a 15 minute class you attack versus an hour. You're like, I got to save a little bit, just like in CrossFit. So I, I, I think that that's an interesting thing when you're talking about benchmarks, you know, you, you want to do them often enough to see progress, but you have to vary them enough that you're not doing the same thing over and over again. Well, I mean, that's the beauty of CrossFit. We don't have that issue. But you don't have the be- but the benchmarks are different. That's that's the challenge, right? So you're not going to do. Yeah, great but does it matter brand- that they're the same or that that I'm that I'm giving the benchmark, right? Like it doesn't matter, right? Like I've got something to measure myself against. It's just yeah, that it, you're not doing it as frequently. Is my point? Maybe, right? That's that's on the the gym. And so to to address Fern's question, like when I started, I wanted to try all the the named workouts or the girls' workouts. And after I, I, so I did a bunch of benchmarks to begin with, but then there was a point where I realized how bad they hurt. And I also realized how bad I sucked at some of them. And I didn't want to show that I hadn't gotten better at any of that stuff. So I did avoid it. And in turn, I avoided programming that at my gym. So my athletes didn't get, have a, have a chance to do it. Um, and we've recently, well, recently within like the last four or five years changed to where every year we pick like 18 to 20 different benchmarks and they can be girl workouts. They can be heroes. They can be lifts. They can be like a skill thing, like max and broken double unders or something like that. Um, and we guarantee that we're going to program those three times throughout the year. And so what that works out to be is once or twice a week, we're going to be doing a benchmark that we will repeat again this year. So it's at least once a week, people are able to get a chance to test and see where they're at. And every year they change. We keep maybe two or three of them from year to year or back to back years. But a main reason. So I you're picking that, 18 to 20 and you're doing those 18 to 22 to three times a year. Is that what, is yes. Just so I, okay. Got it. All yep. Right. Yep. Yep. And now with that, like I said, because we follow like a CrossFit.com workout, there'll be some of the benchmarks from years past that will show up. So we'll have named workouts and hero workouts that still show up outside of those 18, but those 18 or 20, are guaranteed to be programmed three times throughout the year. So for most people, that means we'll do them at least twice so you get to see your progress. So, so I've, I started doing a lot of benchmarks. I avoided them because I was afraid of my fitness and I've come back around and I probably do them way more often now than I even did in the early days because not only is it beneficial for me, but my members love it. Well, I think going back to Fern's question, and then I have a piggyback question, I think, the challenge is with benchmarks, they're stressful. Like I think you you asked for and like, did you do more back in the day? It was like, yeah, because I saw my friend time go from eight to seven, you know, to six and down. Where now it's like, I don't want to do friend because I know a how bad it's going to be, and you're always like, am I going to? It's it's a letdown when you don't PR, right? Well, so, correct. There- but I think this is the pitfall of having been around a while right? That's me projecting what I don't want to see, neglecting that all of my members are still in that honeymoon phase. Like it took me, it took me how long to get to the point. I mean, it, I've been doing CrossFit for 12 years. It probably took me six years to get to the point where I'm like, I don't need to do Fran anymore. Like 219 is as good as it's going to get. Like I, whatever, not, I don't care. Do you hey, hear well, that humble brag right there? Yeah, oh, yeah, no, it wasn't humble at all. I will smash you and Fran. That wasn't humble at all. Like I will smash you, regardless of your two inch range of motion, I will crush you in that work. Well, and so here brings up another thing to that, which, cause I got to the same point where there was stress associated with it. But at the end of the day, it's a freaking workout. 
who gives a shit if you never touch your old numbers again. And so I wanted yeah. to teach, teach myself and therefore lead my members that a workout's a workout. You shouldn't be afraid of a workout. You should not be afraid to not sign up for the open because somebody is going to look at your score. You should not be afraid to show up on Fran day because you'll never match your previous best. Who cares? You show up every day to work out because you want to sweat and have fun with your friends and get a workout in. And I had to do that to teach myself a lesson because I'll be honest with you, two, two of the workouts that I hated the most were DT and Fran and I oh. avoided those all the time. And so those were both the workouts that showed up the, that continued for the first two years of my benchmark. So over two year period, I think I did DT 10 times. And I think I did Fran eight times. Oh. And I finally have gotten to the point where I'm like, it's just a workout. I don't give a shit. I'll do that. But how many of whenever they show up? Over those 10 times, say of DT, how often or how many times did you PR from the previous? Most of them with DT, especially because that one was brutal for me. And that one was cool because I was able to uh, approach it in a different fashion every single time. Um, and I, I probably out of the 10 times, I probably PR'd eight of the 10. And then we removed it from our benchmark list and we actually just did it before we got closed down. And I think I was within five seconds of my all time best. And I was like, dude, if every time I do one of these benchmark workouts, I can be in the ballpark to me, that's a PR. I mean, like, that, not, for not sure. a PR, but it's like, I'm happy with that. And I don't care. And I don't dread it like I used to. Um, so it's like, it was just a workout. I showed up, I did it, saw how it went. You look back at your numbers, you're like, oh man, that was better than I expected it to be. I, I got to that point too with Fran. Like my best was, I think, like 245 maybe. And I got to the point where I can literally do a three-minute Fran without hurting. And I was like, every time Fran came up at the gym, because I would just go to the box, I was like, I'm not going to hurt. My goal is to be three minutes, you know, and, and walk away. So, you know, you change your perspective on it. You guys ever have I, – I love the members that come in and, like, they find the benchmark and they're like, all right, I'm going to do this one all the time until I get really good at it. You have those members? Not anymore because that, that only lasts so long before they figure out it doesn't work. <laughs> well, and then you, you're like, hey, if you just do CrossFit, you'll get better at it. You don't do yeah. Fran once a week. Well, and that's what we show them by, by consistently telling them that, hey, this workout, don't worry, this workout's going to show up two more times this year. You'll get your opportunity to do it again, and you'll get a chance to see where you're at. So, so um, if, if I did ask you very specifically, both of you, how often should a box – or either program or should someone that does it on their own hit benchmarks, what would your answer be? I, I think doing a benchmark once a week, a benchmark once a week, and then having a, a select few that you do a few times a year is important. Like so you might have like your you. Fran, Diane, Grace, Isabel, just kind of rotating through, but your DT and your Fran, you hit all every quarter or so. Something like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, and there's so many benchmarks at this point between the girls and the hero workouts and stuff like that. And some of the hero workouts and you, can get and, a little out of hand, and, but you know. And you can and everybody create does whatever. Murph every year, right? Murph, right? Yeah. And and like, Todd, or you can create you can create your own. Like I have I have some that I created that are unique to the gym, and when and well, we do those once every year. What's yeah, your no, it, What's your favorite, Todd? Like what you and Fern each? What's your favorite benchmark that you've actually created? Um, so mine are a little bit long. So I have two that I made and they're, they're kind of spinoffs of different ones. One is 
Uh, it's a one mile run into 30 back squats. The bar has to come from the floor into 30 handstand put, and the weight is 225 into 30 handstand push-ups and finishing with a 1000 meter row. And somebody who's pretty fit can do that in sub 16 minutes. I like that too, because I mean, the longer the workout, the more room there is for improvement too, right? You get to that 217 Fran, like your seconds are where you set up your bar. Yeah. Right. Where you have a, now it's, that's a long, brutal workout, but I think it's still good enough to be a, a, a benchmark. It's not, but it's not that long. Right. So, I mean, it's, it's under 20 minutes and like, I've seen people do it under 15 minutes. So, I mean, you can, you can get after it on that workout, but there's a couple of things and there's some psychological aspects of that, which is it's intentionally programmed where the bar has to come from the floor. You don't because I don't, want, because I don't want people to drop it. Right. I want people to go deep into the pain cave on the 30 back squats and, and people will want to quit at 20 and do an additional 10 simply because what they're thinking about is if this bar hits the floor it is highly likely that I will not be able to put it back on my back again. So they'll do it, you know? Yeah, I can go unbroken on those back squats. Unfortunately, I can't get it to my shoulders. <laughs> I'd have to do one of those. What's that lift? Do you ever see that lift where you tip the bar? I, think that's oh, yeah, I was yeah. thinking about that the other day. Yeah. Like the odd list. What about you, Todd? What's your favorite benchmark that you've created? Um, I don't have one that jumps to mind. I'll be honest with you. I stick to the, the like the, the the true benchmarks. I stick to most of the time the the heroes, the girls, that that stuff. Um, I'm trying to think, I'm sure I've kind of spun a few off to fit our facility and our member base, but nothing jumps to mind. You know, my, one of my favorites is a hundred burpees for time. It's easy. It's just That's like, hey, get at it. You could do it anywhere. So you're in hotels, you're traveling a lot. You can still do it. Uh, you know, it's, it's just tell a me this test. Yep. Do, do you, when you're doing it in your hotel room, do you do it? four time and actually try to beat your, uh, your previous. No, that's, I mean, that's a good point. Like, I, and I should, so I'll do kind of like the, the lame thing of like, oh, I'll do 150. Right. So it's like, I know it's just mentally, I'm not as, as stressed out about it. But when I say I'm going to do my hundred burpees, I'll, I'll try to get at it. But it, I, I've had it a few times where I don't go crazy. Where I'm just, look, if you do a hundred burpees, you've accomplished something. You know, oh, it's, I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and even, even slowly, I can probably go like six, six and a half minutes where my best ever was like four fifty six, I think. Um, but oh, I, I like here, 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 is fast. Here's yeah. one for you then Jay. This is one. If I have short amount of time, I'm on the road. Um, five minute EMOM of 20 burpees. Yeah, I mean, it's the same principle, right? It's the same principle, but it's devastating. I think that's actually, in a weird way, harder. Because for me, on my 100 burpees, I usually get like 30 or so on the first minute and allow myself to almost slow down. But with that, you have to like kind of go fast, but you get just enough rest where you have to go fast again. Does that make sense? Like, in my mind, when I do 100 burpees, I get through 30 as fast as I can. And I know I have to go hard for 30 at the end, but those middle 40, I almost try to breathe and recover somewhat. Where if you have to go an EMOM like that, it's almost worse. Like force it's yourself. To it's definitely bad. I know that. I tried to do a couple different variations of it a while back. So when the, when the open dropped that seven minutes of burpees years ago, whatever year that was, then 
I tried to like work my way up to it. So I started, we would do it all the time in the gym just because it was pretty short. So we started at seven. So it's seven burpees every 30 seconds for seven minutes. So you have 14 rounds of it. And then once you could do that, then you bump it up by one rep and you try to hold on to that. So if like, if you get to nine and then you only get four minutes through, then you're stuck at that one until you can finish all seven minutes at 30 seconds. Cause the goal was, I think the world record was like 141 or something like that. And, um, so the goal is like, if you can do 10 every 30 seconds in that time frame, then you're, then you're in that world record number. So when, when seven minutes of burpees came out, I was at a regional meeting and Castro was there leading it. And the open, we were like going into week two. I think I've was told that a humble story. brag that you were at one point important forever involved in something. <laughs> Doesn't mean he was important by the way. I was not important. <laughs> it just anyway. means he happened to be in the same place at the same time. Were you lost? Person. Did you go into a long room in the wrong room? And they're like, <laughs> <laughs> you guys will, you'll, you'll understand the story. So Dave, said something to me like great job on the burpees like i was like literally in like the top 50 in the world or something ridiculous for that one week and i started to talk about it and realized as i was talking about it that he had no interest in what i was saying and, and just started walking away. cool story like, see ya yeah exactly one of those like i didn't want to start a conversation with you Ackerman. i big, just was big trying gulps, to- huh well see you later <laughs> it was but that's, I think, um, that's my best performance ever in the Open. It's probably the year I beat you, Todd. I think it was. Yeah. Yeah, probably so. My goal in life is to beat you in the Open again. One day. Not going to happen. One day. Hoping this Peloton Especially with all those, off. yeah, the, unless the Peloton <laughs> shows up in the Open this next one. So I'll tell you, I, is, the, is the takeaway here that we should be, people should be looking at doing more benchmarks whether it whether you be using those benchmarks of heart rate or crossfit benchmark and stuff like that so now because as we're talking through this that's where i think people have taken that what i mean, probably wasn't created in crossfit but they kind of the ones that really highlighted it first was like hey you're going to repeat this and you're going to try to beat it again you know but Pel- peloton just did it in their universe and then orange theory's done it in their universe and if i think about it most i don't I don't think most CrossFit gyms are doing benchmarks as frequently as they used to back in the day. Or at least making it as clear as to why they're important. I think that's a big part of it too. Like, and that goes to the whiteboard brief and you, you know, you got your new members and they come in and do Fran for the first time. Cool. Let them do it for the first time. Don't dig too deep into it. But now the second time they do it, you're like, Hey, remember you did this workout, like giving them that. I think one thing CrossFit changed the world of fitness by quantifying and making fitness a competition that's what they did peloton all these other places they're just taking the best part about crossfit which is hey you can not only compete against your friends but yourself i think that's what they do so they did exceptionally well and continue to yeah so i I, i'm with you fern i think i think making sure that we are giving our an opportunity to our members to to see their progress whether that's measuring their heart rate, whether that's frequently, more frequently doing benchmarks, whatever that is. Um, the more data people can get, the more options they have to see their improvements. Because as you guys know, it's not always immediately, you know, numbers on the scale or your clothes don't change as quickly. Yes, that'll come along with it. But there's so many different ways to measure your progress and people are going to come into the gym 
looking for those other things, right? The, 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 the numbers on the scale, what their clothes fit them like, what sizes they're wearing. Um, and to buy a little bit more time for that stuff to change, you can show them the, the performance that they're, um, the performance increases that they're making with inside the walls of the gym by giving them the opportunity to repeat benchmarks. Well, I also think it's, if we're going to go back to heart rate, which is where this, where this all started, I think if you can figure out how to integrate that into what you do, I think it just gives you more ways to highlight that, right? So we've all, we've all used the analogy of, okay, this is my friend time. And Jay, you're talking about hitting it under three minutes. Well, maybe you don't want to go faster. Maybe that just changes the, which we need to see that video, by the way. The, yeah. uh, we, it's not, there's a, there's a, I'm going to post it just to you show you guys. The, well, I'm going to judge that range of motion. The, um, maybe you don't want to go faster. Maybe I just want to be able to do a three minute Fran, but not, even though you didn't have a heart rate on the first time, we could assume that you would be more efficient with regard to, you know, your, your output, right? So if like I can do a three minute Fran, but I can keep my heart rate under 140, it's pretty damn good. You know, maybe it's not about going faster. Maybe it's about just like not having to work as hard to get the same score. I think going back to what we said right from the beginning is anything you can add to your class and anything you can do to educate your members is going to pay off. That's really what it comes down to. If you can figure out a way, you know, whether you have the my zone, most people, I mean, I've got a whoop on, Todd's got a Fitbit, like, so, you know, 50% of your members are already wearing something. And if they're not, you know, how much is that Fitbit you're wearing, Todd? Less than a hundred bucks. Yeah. I mean, they can get out there and, and get that. Um, I, I mean, I think this whoop is great too. I'm learning. I think it's a little, there's things I like about it. There's things that could be better, but like Todd said, it's just a little bit more information. Well, good thing and we if, did that in 20 minutes. Like we good. Set <laughs> out. Have to calibrate that time. That so, watch. all right, guys hit a benchmark, try ferns. Let, let's throw that out there. The, the fern is one mile. 20, I'm sorry, 30 back squats at 225, 30 handstand push-ups, 1K row. Under, on 15, under 15 minutes? I Man, I would be very impressed. For the mile. That. For the mile under 15 minutes. <laughs> no, because you – so, I mean, like, let's walk it out. So, like, a mile. So, like, somebody who can hammer a mile could do a 6 to 630 and not be smoked. Okay. Not be and smoked. so, That's just add your, add your 1K row to that, right? So, you're at – So, four minutes. Call well, it three and a half, right? Yeah. Well, after your legs have done that. So call it 11 minutes, 11 yeah, minutes right there. Two, two okay. and a half, two and a half on the back squat. And then depend the, the handstand pushups is, is typically where there's a pretty significant, like you either have it there. or you don't, right? Yeah. yeah you're yeah. either going to get those in that one, in one to three sets or it's going to, or you're going to be there forever. So, it's, but it can be done. I've, I've seen it happen. I, I think well, you're right. The good, what I like about that workout is it's really testing, like, so many different things within one workout too. And you can really, how I would preach it to people that are stressed about it is you can almost set mini benchmarks within that workout. Like, Hey, go PR your mile or Hey, just get through it and then PR your one K. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, for me, for example, like we said, like that's got basically three movements that I'd be terrible at, but I can go unbroken on the handstand push-up. So it's got like bits and pieces that, different people will be good at and struggle with, which I think a good benchmark should do. If their benchmarks what? are just like, you know, like a hundred burpees, for example, they don't take a lot of skill. So it's just like, there's, there's a time and a place for that, but there's a time and a place for something that requires an adaptation of that skill. What yeah. are you going to say, Todd? 
I was just going to say, if the bar has to come from the ground, maybe you can try to do 30 unbroken or 30 deadlifts. I know you can't do them unbroken, but there's, you can't clean that. You can't jerk that. You can't get it onto your back. So it's the, my best Diane as, is as written. My best Diane is 301. That was fast, but that's good. I don't, I don't remember that's what good. mine is. I won't touch uh, that, that one. Again. That one was my, as always, been I my really, downfall. I wouldn't be able to put the, 225. I would lay down on the ground, <laughs> crawl under it. Well, you could crawl under the bar and then just stand <laughs> yeah. up. And start from the bottom of my first rep. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, can I, I might be able to squat clean that once and then rack it and then get under it. Does that count? No. You can't squat clean it. No. Not right now, Jay. No. You were, when you were, you can't squat clean 225. I remember when you and I squat cleaning one time at uh, Southside. And I think you got I up to like, like 185 and started getting spit out the back. <laughs> oh no, that was after your your 12 front squats. Spit out the back. All right, we've 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 fallen off. We're on Todd and Fern making fun of my fitness. That means we've been on too long. So, yes, add heart rate if you can. Add more benchmarks once a week, like both Fern and Todd have alluded to, and throw in some classics like Todd said, and and make up some. I like that one. I. Challenge box, boxes when you open again. Hit up ferns. Hit up. We'll call it. What do we call them? The fern. It's, it's. We call it fern test number one. Oh yeah. Name. I it. would it's super creative. I, super 30, creative. <laughs> Thirty back squats at two twenty five within the first couple of weeks of being back in the gym. I would not. Do not do that. that. Yeah, yeah. Do not do <laughs> Don't that. do that. Maybe yeah, we talked about all. We talked about that on a previous episode. <laughs> do not say, do, that. do that. That's hey, not the um, movement. Might as well just do. Chest of bars in there. 100% of our members have rhabdo. This is great. <laughs> Thanks, Vern. Test number one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good job, everybody. Thanks again for listening to Best Hour of Their Day. And thanks again to our special guest. We appreciate all you guys do for us with Best Hour of Their Day when it comes to sharing our posts on Instagram, when it comes to subscribing to us on YouTube, when it comes to the constant feedback, we are grateful and we appreciate it. We are trying to build a community based on coaching development and becoming the best version of yourself. And it goes without saying that we couldn't do without all of you. So if you haven't already, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Season one of Dropping In is out. We are getting tremendous feedback and we'd love for you to check it out. Leave us a comment on there. Head over to our Instagram. Give us a follow. Like our pictures. Feel free to share anything that resonates with you. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or feedback for us, please don't hesitate. Email us, besthouroftheirday at gmail.com. Thanks again. Until the next episode, we hope you've had the best hour of your day.